Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode number 95. It's all about finding meaning and purpose in life with my guest, Susanna Healy, off of the book, The Seven Day Souls Finding Meaning Beneath the Noise. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I really, hey, I really want to thank you for being here. It's your first time. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I know we're busy and you're taking time to listen means means a little lot to me, actually. And I really do appreciate you. If it's your first time, hey, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Next up, my guest, Susanna Healy, off of the book, The Seven Day Souls, Finding Meaning Beneath the Noise. I had a very fun conversation with Susanna about finding meaning and purpose in life. One thing important in the conversation that stood out to me was we all have power of choice, choice of how we deal with certain things in life and how challenges come up. We also talked about Viktor Frankl, the author of the book, Man's Search for Meaning. Susanna, she has a lot of good insights, so let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Susanna. Thanks, Joe. Lovely to be with you. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And I really do appreciate that. Something we talk pre-talk is you're across the pond, across the ocean, <laughs> and you're and, we, uh, and you had a busy day. And I want to say thank you. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. No, we, I am so delighted to, to, to join you. We've, we've chatted before, and I am so pleased to be, to be able to be speak, speak with you and your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. One thing we want to talk about today is the responsibility and the role we take in proving society, working to ourselves in this social responsibilities, basically find purpose and meaning in life. And I got an interesting word. What is your purpose and meaning in life? Yeah, my purpose and meaning in life is to help people to recognize their innate value, that we do not need to do anything in particular or have a particular job or a shiny material wealth or whatever it might be to be of value in the world, that we all are of innate value and our purpose and meaning in life. You, you might feel that you definitely know what your purpose is. There's a particular type of job that you need to do or whatever it might be. But whether you do or whether you don't, for all of us have a collective responsibility, responsibility to better the world. And we can do that no matter what job we're doing. And I think that's really, really important. So that's why I kind of want people to, I really feel passionate about helping people to realize their life has meaning. They may not see it at the moment, but their life has innate meaning. It's interesting. I was thinking about when you were saying that for a second about life having meaning. I mean, some mm-hmm. people don't even realize their meaning and purpose. They'd be like, when you're in school, you go, hmm, I want to be a firefighter or a police officer or a teacher. Oh, that's mm-hmm. my purpose in life. Then you get out to your 20s and your 30s and your 40s. And some people, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm 45 and I, I think I might have found my purpose. I'm not quite sure yet. But I'm still searching for that purpose. And I think I don't know if that's an ongoing thing through life, maybe. Yeah, it, it does actually dip. There's a couple of things. You know, some of the research studies would say that actually meaning, uh, meaning in life can dip a little bit between, say, mid to late 20s into kind of mid 40s, that kind of time. And then it starts to, to, to rise again. So for, there is a kind of point at where perhaps when we're younger, we feel, yeah, I know exactly what I want to be. And then we get there and kind of go, hmm really not quite, quite as shiny and bright as I thought it was. I've still got to pay bills. I've got to turn up at work and wherever it might be. And, you know, things can get, you know, maybe you settle down, perhaps you meet somebody, you have family, et cetera. 
that can be very meaningful, but actually it can also be quite stressful. And, you know, some of the research does say that actually having children, you know, it's not so much that it brings uh, happiness, but it, 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 can, it can be meaningful, um, even if it's not happiness. And that's the great thing about finding meaning, that we can have meaning even when we're stressed or unhappy. Things can, can still be meaningful. But it can dip in life. Also, meaning and purpose are a little bit different, to be honest. And, and we kind of talk about purpose as having that, that particular job, or this is the one role I'm supposed to have in my life. But we may have many purposes, um, and that's something to realize. And my purpose in this one moment might be to bite my tongue in front of somebody that I really actually is quite irking and irritating me, you know, and it might be that might be your purpose in that moment. So we can have the global purpose and the kind of the big purpose in life, but also the purpose in our life of the purpose in the moment and also meaning in the moment. So that's where, you know, when we when we do that, when we realize, oh, my purpose at the moment is to actually bite my tongue. Or I had a, an early a one earlier this evening when, you know, one of my boys was giving me quite a lot of football results, probably more than I was actually interested <laughs> in, you know, to actually say, oh, really? And ask for another one kind of thing, you know. So that made that moment meaningful because it was good discipline for me, um, because it was compassionate. Um, and it was it made it meaningful. It's like, okay, I'm bettering myself by serving somebody else in this case my son you know so we there's meaning there's purpose in life and we, we may have times when we do feel it and when times when we don't it can come and go a little bit so we don't need to get too hung up on oh my goodness I haven't found my purpose I think I have what's the one purpose in life what if I don't find it that's called purpose anxiety and we're actually seeing more of it because people are we're talking more about meaning and purpose so then people are kind of going, oh, maybe I have to have it. What if I don't have one? So relax. Don't worry about it. it. You know, you can realize that actually there's purpose in each moment of your life. It doesn't have to be a shiny, bright, big arrow leading you forward. It can be, and that's fabulous, but it doesn't have to be. It almost feels like purpose is in what's happening now. What's going on now? Is that something? Mm-hmm. Is that something? Is that am I getting in the ballpark there? Well, um, just to some extent, it's it's kind of what connects um, us, kind of from now into the into the future. Okay. Now, hope hope is so good to us. It's, hope is so good for us. Um, so while and mindfulness talks a lot about living in the now, but we also do need view to the future. So you're absolutely right. It's that connection of now and me as I am at the moment, pulling us forward into the future. So that is kind of purpose, meaning is how we connect with, talk so much about kind of working on ourselves, that kind of thing. But meaning is how, when we worked on ourselves, how we connect to something bigger than ourselves. That could be the person sitting in front of us, society, our company where we work, our family, our community, our local village, whatever it might be, our local town, city, whatever it might be. Or it could be, you know, our, our country or, or the world. It could be world poverty, whatever it might be. How do we hook ourselves into things that are outside of ourselves? And that is where we find meaning in life. Hooking ourselves to, you know, Soren Kierkegaard was a philosopher and he had a great phrase that I really love. Is that he said, the door to happiness opens outwards. What does that so mean? It means that actually instead of looking for happiness inside yourself and kind of getting more stuff for yourself, look outwards, serve other people look outwards into the world to find happiness and almost forget yourself. Viktor Frankl was kind of talking about the same thing, service and looking outward to other people. And you'll discover that you are happy by serving other people. So it's an outwards view that we can find happiness. It's a, it's a very different, I think, to 
what a lot of our very material consumerist culture uh, teaches us of kind of get the next thing, the next fancy car, the next fancy dress, the next fancy whatever, and you'll feel great and you'll be really happy. Whereas actually meaning it comes and then happiness comes from actually looking outwards to other people and community in the world. It's interesting too. I mean, um, I never thought of it that way, purpose, because I always find my purpose. I get up in the morning, I go to work, I take care of my son, and I repeat. And you get in, and sometimes sometimes you get in those cycles of um it almost feels like you're going around in circles and like a boat in an ocean, but you're not going anywhere. And then I think sometimes just my personally, if I have purpose and you know, I have some kind of direction and, and steer that direction, I feel like it's better. Life it seems to be better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it does. I feel like you're, it, it's a movement forward that brings us forward. We all need something to help us to get out of bed, to not feel like we're in this endless kind of rat run, this kind of meaningless rat run of just our groundhog day kind of thing. So absolutely, I agree with you. It's kind of when we have purpose, it means that oh, I, there's movement in our life. We feel like there's growth or movement or direction in our life. Absolutely. And that's kind of where purpose is great. What I would say, though, Joe, is that Sometimes the purpose is not in what we do, but in how we do. So again, it's kind of going back to that idea of it might be that we want to be fireman or firewoman or whatever it might be. And we kind of, you know, we have something that really feels it's obviously serving other people. And that is fantastic. But it might just be that our purpose today is how we speak to our child today, how we speak to somebody else how we actually, uh, how we have the tone of voice that's in an email that we send that day where we kind of could be sharp or maybe somebody's let us down and we might feel like we have the right to be slightly curt or something like that. And we actually have, our purpose is actually to bite our tongue and say something kind or to be patient or whatever it might be. So, you know, and I think that what, what I talk about finding meaning in the mundane, and I think this is what, when we begin to realize that purpose can be how we do the mundane stuff then it really kind of kind of lights up what we do when kind of things can feel so mundane and boring and repetitive. I realize, oh, actually what I'm doing is kind of like, I'm building a little human being in my child. I'm <laughs> building future, you know? And it's kind of, especially with raising children, it's a slow burn. So it can feel kind of like, crikey, this is slow going. You know? <laughs> Not maybe quite as fast results as you might get at work. But actually you realize, golly, what I'm doing really, really matters or how I pick up the phone to somebody and change my tone of voice, or letting somebody into traffic, or little things. That's my purpose in this moment, to be more kind, to be more compassionate, to build, to grow my own patience, and to serve somebody else. And I think that's kind of, I think, I hope that that's useful. I, I find a lot of people say that that's really useful, that you don't need the glossy purpose sometimes. It's just looking at your day in a different way. Oh, wow. It's like a mindset, kind of a mindset kind of thing and, and, and change your point of view and perspective. That's yeah. interesting, too, a way of looking at it. Yeah, I think so, because I think in that and kind of uh, that whole idea, uh, Victor Frankl kind of talked to uh, author of Man's Search for Meaning, and he, he spoke a lot about, uh, he's, he's really kind of one of the, the, he's really the big name in terms of, of finding meaning in life. He was kind of one of the biggest, uh, the, the first people to speak about it. He was Jewish, but uh, obviously the, the, all, most of the religious traditions would have given us meaning, you know. But whether you get meaning in life from religious beliefs or even if you don't have religious beliefs, you can get meaning from the idea of kind of realize, realizing I have a responsibility. I have choice, you know. Viktor Frankl, he was, a, you know, he was imprisoned in some of the, the, the terrible concentration camps, including Auschwitz. 
And he, even he said, even in the times where everything is taken from you, you can still have choice in your attitude. So when everything else is taken from you and you have no choice in where you, you can be or what you're to do, you can still have a, a choice and responsibility in your attitude. And that was at the, you know, the worst, worst times of life. So he was really kind of a leader in this thinking. But it, it does tell us that actually, do you know something? How I can find meaning in my life by actually the attitude that I bring to today. And I, I think that makes a changes a whole perspective. As you say, it's a mindset. It's a whole different perspective in, in finding meaning, even when things seem mundane. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, all the stuff going on in the world society right now the last few weeks, on top of COVID-19, the uh, virus mm -hmm. and stuff too, people are just in... Um, it, it puts people, I, I know my experience, it's weighing on me, just just an overall feeling, not the whole subject, but the whole feeling of the pressure and the effects on people's attitudes. People seem more grumpier. And and just and I think sometimes, you gotta, I think of it sometimes I try to smile, be courteous, but sometimes it does wear on you. And the times like that, I'm trying to, your attitude is, is very important. But when having a bad attitude sometimes in the morning, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to change it. Yeah. It Really is, uh, but I think sometimes it's even noticing uh, I have choice, and it really doesn't feel like it. Um, it, it because we're not really taught that we have choice in how we think. Uh, we're not we're not really taught. We're never given that kind of manual for the brain, as it were, and we're not taught that. And actually, so it is a matter of kind of beginning to learn to realize. Oh golly, actually, I am in kind of like you know, I'm really down at the moment, or I'm grumpy, or I'm tired, or whatever it might be. And actually saying, well, what will I do to actually change that? Is there something that I can do? Do I need to just kind of get moving again because I'm at the desk all day and I've just, my energy has absolutely dropped. Do I need to just kind of go up and down the street or the office or whatever it might be or do a few jumps in the office or whatever to, to actually kind of simply change my attitude? You know, I mean, I know I was even earlier on this evening, I was watching, um, it was a program that it was it had sponsored, but it was all for regarding cancer support and it was you know sponsored trying to support cancer uh, cancer patients and i, I kind of noticed you know it framed everything for the next while for me because it put me in a different zone of kind of like crikey how privileged i am so before we can kind of forget that we're we're seeing the world through a particular lens and it's only when you get something like that that jolts you out of it and realize you are so lucky you're so privileged i have my health whatever it might be that that was my little lesson today of crikey, you know, I'm so grateful for what I have, you know. So those little things are little moments to kind of go, oh, do you know something? I had one attitude. Now I have another. We all need those jokes. <laughs> well, also re social responsibility. Uh, this is our social responsibility. Roles we play. What does that mean? Yeah, well, I think it's it, because I think it is really important to remember that we nobody else will meet exactly the same group of people that each of us meets in the day with the same personality, strengths, weaknesses, uh, mood, etc. that we will meet that group. So we each of us has an absolutely unique path or footprint in the world. You know, nobody else will meet that same group of people that we each of each of us will meet in a particular day. So it that means that we have unique responsibility, a role in in bettering the world. And that can give fantastic meaning to our lives that, you know, that, that each of it, whether your job has innate meaning in it and that's very obvious meaning in it or not, seeing the fact that actually we have a role to play, that we are connected 
because you know you know we can all kind of go oh yeah it's all very well but you know it's kind of up to other people or up to people that are celebrities or have huge social media followings or whatever it might be they're the ones who are really kind of the, the ones who will change the world as it were but when we begin to realize that actually you know you are my somebody else i am your somebody else each of us is each other's somebody else then we begin to realize oh it is actually up to me because nobody else will meet those same people that i'm going to meet nobody else has the opportunity to impact the same group of people that i've met today or that you will you have met today or and so on and so forth so that i think brings gives our life fantastic meaning each of us has a unique path and we need to be using it to impact in a really great way it's just interesting too i mean also that um it's like Viktor Frankl went through all the tragedy of all the stuff he went through and he made it out and went and a very smart man. It's just amazing, amazing how your mind can help you get through a really, really tragic time. Absolutely unbelievable. I would just say he was a really special human being because he would say it's in absolutely all of us. The ability to either behave badly or to behave really well is in all of us. It is a choice. And that's what he, he would say. And that's what he argued all the time. Didn't say too much, and uh, certainly in, in Man's Search for Meaning, about religion or his religious faith. But he did, have, you know, he was Jewish and he, he was deeply spiritual and religious to the end. But he, he was trying to kind of make it so that it was relevant to all of us, that we all see our, that we are not just mind and body, which was kind of being argued at the time in his era, but that we are mind, body and spirit. And that wasn't so fashionable in psychology, particularly in his time. They were trying to get very much down to kind of making psychology, making sure that it was scientific and measurable and, and so on and so forth. And so it wasn't fashionable to say, no, 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 we have to remember what he called the noetic aspect of ourselves, which basically means spiritual aspect. That aspect of us that it kind of is kind of quite unconscious, but has a place in the world. So that was from where he felt this ability to be the best version of ourselves can come from and to grow ourselves and, and to, to become better than we kind of landed in the earth being, you know, to actually that we have that ability to, to better ourselves. And I think habit is enormously important in this because we're just, we're creatures of habit, you know, if, if you, you know, like most of us, it's probably kind of like a increase in our, in our couch or our sofa where we watch TV. That's kind of the, the shape of our own behind because we kind of, you know, that's our end of the couch, you know. That's where we sit. We have habits in where we sit in the kitchen, where we sit on the couch. We have habits in everything we do. If everyone has gone to a meeting for a couple of days, chances are you went and sat in the same seat every day, you mm. know. So we're, we're creatures of habit. And that's, in one way, it's a very clever part of our brain that actually makes us do the same thing again and again, because it requires less glucose. Instead of having to think afresh every day, we just did what we did. We do what we did yesterday. It's energy saving device in the brain. Very, very clever. But it does mean that we get into habits in our mood, in our attitude, in our habitual thoughts. And so we need to kind of wake up to that. And then we kind of get to realize, oh, I don't need to just keep being doing the same thing, same old me every day. I am enough, but I can better myself if I just bring a new attitude to tomorrow. And I think that's exciting. Definitely, definitely. And one thing I want to look about, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the cover of your book, The Seven Souls of Finding Meaning Beneath the Noise. And I really like the cover because it starts with, Small rocks all the way to the big rocks, and then finding beneath me down the noise. What is the noise? Mm. What is the noise? I was just curious. Mm. I, the, the noise for me is is the kind of the busyness of our days, the stress of our days, 
the, the push that we have and the pressures that we have on from society and from our own heads, really, that we need to belong, we need to be, you know, perfect parents and really, really fit all the time and really great cooks and really this and really that. And an awful lot of pressures put on us from all these gurus kind of thing, you know, and to have to deliver and have to have certain clothing, perhaps, or have to have a certain amount of money or whatever it might be. That, that noise that's coming from society. And so it's to find that kind of still place where we are just enough, you know, that it, it that who we are is enough that that we have a place in the world that is not dependent on what we have or what we do or what we wear or any of that stuff so that's what i wanted to say that despite the busyness and the pressures of life and especially the the rushness of life you know i think you know as dads as moms a lot of the time we can be you know, spend a lot of the time in the car and ferrying them here, there into different activities and to matches and sports and this kind of stuff. And life can become really rushed. And all we're doing is really teaching our kids to do the same thing. We're wiring them for the same thing, but to be go, 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 you know, and that I think is what there's definitely been positives and negatives to the lockdown for those of us who are blessed enough not to have, have lost a loved one during it. it. One thing it did teach us was to be able to hopefully slow down be still, play the board games, play the cards and that kind of thing with kids, you know, and that kind of way of finding just being enough with what we have in the home around us with who we have with us. Well, then there is an interesting tool in the book that was called, thing called the seven pillars. And, mm. um, I, I was, I'll read them off. I only really want to touch base probably on three of them. Generosity, gratitude, forgiveness, patience, awe, human and stillness. And uh, one thing, uh, one thing a lot of people talk about is gratitude. How is that one of the pillars? Yeah, g- gratitude is is really really important for again because it wakes us up to what we already have. There's another I'm an awful one for the quotes, Joe. You have to forgive me. <laughs> but there's a lovely quote from a woman a poet by the name of Evelyn Underhill, and she says, "For a lack of attention, a thousand forms of loveliness go unnoticed every day." And I think that's so true. So gratitude helps us to wake up, getting out of that habituated mind to that kind of habitual, this is how I am, this is how I see the world, this is what I do, and forces us to to, to actually be kind of become grateful for what we already have. It has been shown by so many research studies to be really relevant to happiness and a kind of a there's happiness of the ha-ha type, and then there's what we call eudaimonic happiness, which is a much more deeper joy. And when we become grateful for what we already have and practice being grateful for it, um, we, we become more deeply joyful, of, appreciative of our lives without changing a thing. And so what I talk about when you mention those seven pillars, what I'm talking about is I try to myself and I kind of invite the reader to practice one of these seven pillars every day mm-hmm. and you can pick you can put them in a piece of paper and just pick them out of you know each one on a piece of paper and pick them out of a hat or whatever way you want to do it but you have to change every day so you go through all seven and you practice one every day of the week and you see you use it a bit like your lens on the day so you kind of practice so if it's your day for gratitude you go in throughout that day kind of saying okay what am i grateful for today and, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, and, and you keep doing great, grateful for different things. So if you kept saying I'm grateful for my health, often we're not until we lose it or something like that, you know. So 
but getting grateful for the fact that you got three green traffic lights in a row and you were really in a hurry. So that was great. <laughs> you know, you start to get grateful for the good stuff. You got get grateful for the fact that the local coffee shop has your favorite sandwich in today, you know, and you're kind of great. I love that one. Whatever it might be, you know, the little stuff. If you are practicing gratitude, then you're saying, okay, got my lens on. It's like your gratitude goggles for the day. And you're going to look at the world with the gratitude goggles on. So it's a way of practicing waking up to what, what would be in your day anyway, but would have gone by unnoticed. Now the, the other two I'd like to talk about too is like, um, I think they're kind of interesting too, is the awe, the awe in mm-hmm. life. What is, what is that? Yeah. Awe is that sense of, it actually the word comes from, from originally from a, from a sense of a word relating to fear, actually. Awe is that sense of being stilled by something of being completely you know slowed down because you know you, you, you're slowed or come to complete stillness in awe of something that is greater or more beautiful or stronger or whatever it might be so that sense of awe in the world and again i i suppose it's it's that waking up to getting out of our habituated that kind of habitual way of seeing the world and noticing like for example i really had a great time recently with we were watching as a family, we were watching the SpaceX launch, and, <laughs> you know, and we were glued to that and kind of, you know, and then watching it being on Earth and then being in the, in the at the ISS at the International Space Station. And, you know, that was fabulous in a whole day of awe for me and my family, you know, recently. But that sense of realizing, oh, my goodness, look how nature is able to make the genes in our cat or our dog, perhaps that part of them is black and that part of them is white. Isn't that amazing that, you know, within an inch of each other, the genes know to change that color to white, that color to black. Waking up to the tiniest things that are amazing around us, that can fill us with awe and fill us with appreciation of what's just right here. I had an interesting question, a little bit off topic, but you watched the space launch, the the, the SpaceX spaceship, and I was wondering, have you, we're, we're the world enough to remember this, the other spaceships, the space shuttle and all that, and they had a million oh. buttons. I was in awe because everything was working on a flat screen television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I was in awe be going, <laughs> all he has is one, uh, on one handle to pull in a case of emergency, but everything else is on a flat screen television. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I know. I suppose there was a kind of a Tesla theme going through the whole thing. I don't know, but it was, it was pretty cool. I was kind of, go, I almost felt like, God, I could fly that ship myself. It looked really easy. There's no more, no more hundred buttons. I can just press one button on the screen and go, yes, I made it to the International Space Station. I was in awe. I was definitely in awe. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely made it look easy. Well, the last one on the seven pillars I wanted to talk about is humor. And so <laughs> how important is humor? Oh, humor is really important. And a lot of the time it kind of, as we get older, it, it kind of, our, our, the amount of times we laugh during the day kind of goes down and down because life can get very serious and very repetitive and a little pretty pressurized for, for a few decades, sometimes of our life. So actually just, that's, and a lot of people t- take me up on that and they're kind of going, quack, uh, humor, I wasn't expecting that in the seven pillars. Do you know, if we're kind of talking about kind of, having meaning in our life and finding that eudaimonic, that deep joy. It is, it's full of humor. It's full of, it's joy. It's supposed to be a type of happiness. It's not supposed to be a kind of a, 
the traditional view of holy, quiet, still, very serious, that kind of thing. It's a joy in the life that we have, you know? So that's why I, I really thought it was important to include it because we do also need to practice it a bit. And I suppose that's the whole point of the seven pillars. It's to focus and practice on these pillars. So to notice, you know, and, and sometimes I say to, 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 to people that I work with and can, you know, something, if you're choosing a movie, perhaps, or something you're sitting on the couch choosing a movie, perhaps with a partner, perhaps not, but just, you know, maybe you have a choice between a thriller or something and a, and a comedy, just choose the comedy and see what happens afterwards. You know, if you're watching it with somebody, do you, do you have better conversations? You know, do you laugh more? Suddenly you're in better mood and there's more conversation in the room. Just notice what's happening because it can really lift us. And it also really connects us because we kind of tend to need other people or somebody to send us something in order to make us laugh. So it is kind of to do with connecting with other people. And, and that is kind of, it, it's just really, really important. And again, it's, laughter is physiologically it's really good for us biologically it's really good for us but spiritually which most people don't talk about it's really good for us it it connects us it lifts us it lifts our energies as well you know the way you kind of feel like if you kind of feel oh crikey i don't really feel like going out for my run today or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. somebody calls friend calls perhaps you have a bit of a laugh on the phone and your energy's up your energy has completely changed and you might have been justifying you feeling the feeling of lethargy the feeling of low energy you might have been, well, I have had a hard day at work and I worked pretty hard and I was walking around the streets quite a lot or whatever it might have been. I was busy, busy. And you justify it. But then actually you realize, no, no, it's just a state of mind. Because actually somebody lifts you, makes you laugh and whoosh, you've got this whole new rush of, of energy. So that's kind of where the joy comes in. And it's, it's, it's important to look after it a little bit and realize. And also I do kind of say to people, just keep an eye on not to edit your friends, but just to keep an eye on who you're spending your precious budget of time and attention with. Because we can be very habitual, even though the people we hang around with, you know, because we always go to after drinks, after work drinks with somebody on a Friday, or we always meet them on a Saturday morning or whatever it might be. And just to kind of wake up to our time is so precious. Our attention is precious. Our lives are precious. Who are we spending that time with? Who are the people that lift our energies and who are the people that maybe take us down, but we just habitually spend time with them. Now, some people might take you down, but that's because they need you. They need your compassion and kindness. They need you to be around them because they're struggling. That's different. Other people, maybe we're just hanging around because we always did, or there are partners, friends, and that's what we do. We go out with them at the weekend, that kind of thing to realize, oh, okay, I need to just watch who I'm spending my time with. Because time is precious, and it's a it's a really precious commodity. Yeah, it, it certainly is, and and again, we get kind of we we just you know, I think it, what is it? I think it's I can't remember offhand, but I think it's ten thousand and eighty minutes we have each of us in the week. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you begin to look at it like that, you begin to realize, okay, I need to wake up to how I spend those minutes. And as I say, it doesn't mean it's all about me, me, me. So you know, if somebody needs your compassion, needs your and your energy, you're giving it. That's that's absolutely fine. It's an act of compassion. But just to begin to realize, you know, wake up to where am I spending those minutes? Am I doing it just because that's what I've always done? Or that's what I've always done for the last five years. Is it still working? You know, <laughs> just ask yourselves that, you know, that, that's something to just wake up to, you know. Well, um, wrapping up, I would be final thoughts when anything you leave with about the seven pillars or anything with about being responsible in your in social responsibility? I suppose um, what I would say is that a lot of the time I, I wouldn't want it to sound like a duty. But it's just that it's more a choice. It's an option. 
Social responsibility is a fantastic meaning-making option that's out there for us, you know, that, that idea that actually we do, as I say, nobody will meet the same group of people in, in, in the day that you will meet, each of us will meet. Um, nobody will with the same skills, talents, personality, etc. that each of us has. So each of us has that path to make. We are part of a giant jigsaw puzzle and no jigsaw puzzle is complete without each piece. So I think that's really important. And it just kind of gives meaning to the, the ordinary stuff. So realizing social responsibility, not as a heavy burden or a duty, but as an exciting option in terms of meaning. And social responsibility can be, whether it's with your own kids, whether it's with somebody in the shop you go into, whether it's kind of global poverty, whatever it might be, all of that is our social responsibility. We're always having this social contagion effect on other people. So just to come awake to it. Also, uh, where they can connect to you, where they can find your book and your website? Yeah, you can uh, find me at SusannaHealy.com. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to spell, but, it, it, but you can find me also at 7daysoul.com, 7daysoul.com, whereas I have kind of courses online and coaching and, and, and also my book. Or you can download my book on Amazon as well. All the links will be in the show notes. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you much for being on the podcast. And I really do appreciate it. And I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too, Joe. I hope it's helpful to people. And I'd love to just hear back from everybody just to reach out, have a chat, be thrilled. I just love talking about this subject. Thanks for having me. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Susanna Healy for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her and her book, The Seven Day Soul, Finding Meaning Be the Noise, over at SusannaHealy.com. You can find all the links in the show notes over NoSittingOnTheSideline.com slash 95. Hey, please reach out, leave a comment, don't have questions, or just say, hey, hello, I'm here. <laughs> I would really like to hear hey, what you thought about this episode. You also can find all my contact information at NoSittingOnTheSideline.com slash contact, social media, emails, to reach out and say hello. Final thoughts. One thing I really like, I like Viktor Frankl. Man's Search for Meaning. I, I like that book so much. So I'm going to leave you with a quote today. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last of one human freedom. To choose one's attitude in any given circumstances. To choose one's own way. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. That's, choice. That's so true. We have the power of choice. We all have choice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Or just call a friend and tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. Because you never know. Take care. God bless. See ya.